This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. In college, I had a part-time job at a media retail store. It was a fun place to work. We sold four main categories of things, book, books, uh, movies, video games, and audio CDs, uh, among other things. Those were kind of divided into four quadrants. And part of the job, along with selling things, was also to reduce the amount of theft that took place. And so a lot of that was just being present on the sales floor, being around to see what people were doing. And as I was doing that, I, I found a lot of plastic wrap already open, people who had gotten away with stealing things. I also had the opportunity to catch people stealing things from time to time. Occasionally they got away, ran for the door. Other times we had a little conversation. And one thing I noticed about each of those individuals, they had the same look on their face when they were trying to get away with unwrapping the package and stuffing whatever merchandise it was in a pocket. They all looked like this. Never fail. Wide-eyed, shifty-eyed. Checking to see who was around. Watching for the right opportunity. <laughs> Put stuff in and away and run. Now, when I'm in a crowd, when I'm in a store, I can just kind of look and see and predict who's going to try and get away with something. Because I know what to look for. I know this face. You know, I also know that when you and I try and get away with things in our lives, we have that same paranoid feeling. We want to check and see who's around. We want to know who's watching. And when we're up to no good, when we're about to make a poor decision, we have this habit to check over our shoulders to see if anybody's nearby. And it's important for us to, to use this knowledge, this reflexive instinct, to identify those moments in life when we should be exercising self-control, especially as we think about what it is to, to live our lives according to the righteousness of God, to strive to honor Him by obeying the moral boundaries of, of Scripture that God has provided to us. We, we use this knowledge to identify those moments of vulnerability. And we can do this for our kids. You ever see your kid kind of looking around and you go, whoa, 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 whatever it is you're thinking about doing, no, stop. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the decision you're about to make because I know it's going to be a bad one. We need to have that same response for ourselves. When we're feeling that paranoia, when we get shifty-eyed, we need to be able to stop and say, whoa, 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 self. I don't know what you call yourself. Do you have a name for yourself? Whoa, self. Whatever you're about to do, the answer to that question is probably, no, don't do it. Today we are going to talk about, in our series in the Armor of God, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And as we talk about what it means for us to put on this piece of the armor of God that covers our hearts, that protects the vital organs with, within our chest, we're going to talk about what it means for us to live according to the righteousness of God, to have the significant confidence of being provided righteousness from God, but on the other side of the coin, also recognizing the responsibility that we have to live according to that standard of righteousness, to strive 
towards it, to grow in it. And it's something that calls us to not only say no to the things that we know we shouldn't be doing, but it's this motivation in our lives to also say yes to the things that we know we should be doing. And we'll talk more about that as we continue through our message. Today, let's begin with our passage on the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. This passage that we're, we're memorizing, these 10 small verses, very doable piece of memorization. Hopefully, you're working on it. I, I practiced a little this week, and I got through two verses for sure before I had to peek. Uh, don't wait till the last week of our sermon series, because then you're going to just be cramming Scripture into your brains, which is a good thing. I shouldn't be telling you not to cram Scripture in your brains, but you will remember it better if you work slowly over the course of weeks, allowing the truth of God's word to filter down into your mind, into your heart, let it do the work that it will do as you commit it to memory. Let's begin reading in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. Here are the words of Paul. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now this is a, a powerful passage of scripture, very meaningful to us. Today we're going to focus specifically on verse 14. What it means for us to stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Last week, we talked about the belt of truth. And we continue in this series, this series of pieces of armor to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled on your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And we know that in order to have the breastplate of righteousness in place, we need to pick it up, put it on, set it on our shoulders so that it will cover the critical parts of our body that need to be guarded, protected, defended. The breastplate covers our chest. A, in many uh, instances, a very solid piece of metal that's formed, shaped to provide protection, but in many cases also includes a, a back piece that goes on. So the vital organs are protected front and back. Sits down over the shoulders, it's cinched down in place, and is attached to the belt of truth, is held down so that in the heat of battle it doesn't get displaced, get in the way, cause difficulty. It needs to be firmly in place so that we can stand firm and continue to remain faithful to the Lord. We have uh, an idea of what this is like is today. Even those who uh, wear body armor are used to something that covers the chest. And those who are serving in the armed forces and many of our police officers wear Kevlar body armor. They have a breastplate that, that covers their vital organs. 
And it's a, a weave of Kevlar that's meant to stop a projectile bullet from doing significant damage and harm. Now, it doesn't stop all of the damage. There's still going to be a bruise, maybe some broken ribs. But the idea is that it would protect their vital organs, protect their lives, and keep them safe. We think back to the days when Paul was writing, the days of the Roman Empire. He calls himself an ambassador in chains. He is under house arrest writing these letters to the churches. And looking at a guard would be able to see the breastplate that a Roman soldier would wear. Those breastplates would have been made either of a full piece of metal or maybe thick leather with reinforced with metal plates. And the idea for that armor was that it would stop a bladed weapon, hand-to-hand combat, something up close, a sword, to keep that bladed weapon from doing harm to the vital organs underneath the breastplate. And we think about the quality of that armor, about how much confidence it would provide to the wearer. That confidence would depend on the kind of metal or leather it was made out of, the thickness of that, that armor, the, the integrity that it would have to maintain as it was cared for and used, and the familiarity of the wear, of keeping that armor tight, keeping it in place, of wearing it properly. We think about what it is for God to say, I want you to stand firm, and here's my breastplate of righteousness for you to wear. And we think, well, if this is armor, that rather than being made of Kevlar weave or of leather and metal, this is armor made entirely of righteousness. You and I, we think about, well, if that is my righteousness that this armor is made out of, I'm a little bit nervous about going into battle. I'm a little uncertain about the integrity of this armor. Is it going to withstand the attacks of the enemy? Is it going to protect me? Have I been good enough? If I count the, the, the deeds, the decisions, the words, is the sum of my righteousness enough to protect me and to guard me? It's a, it's a, a daunting thought. The, the good news is that what we have in the armor of God is this protective wear that's provided to us from God, that is his armor. It's his righteousness, his perfect righteousness that is impervious to the schemes of Satan, to the attacks of the devil. It will guard and protect us perfectly because it belongs to the Lord. In order for it to protect us, though, we have to choose to put it on. And if we're putting it on, that means we have to take off whatever else it is that we were wearing. If we're wearing a breastplate of unrighteousness, it really maybe would be the definition of the, the conduct of our lives before we put on God's righteousness. Maybe we're, putting, we're taking off a, a breastplate of self-righteousness, and we've been trying to earn our own righteousness, trying to be good enough. In order for us to trust in this provision of God, we have to stop trusting in our own Righteousness, our own self-righteousness. And it, it means we have to set aside our pride enough to take off all those things that we've accomplished in order to put on the breastplate from God and to trust in his righteousness to defend us and protect us and to guard our hearts. This protection that we have in the breastplate of righteousness, it begins with the righteousness of God that defines us, that, that covers us, and, and that reminds us that it isn't about what we do, but it's about trusting in what he does. When Paul wrote to the, the Philippians, chapter 3, he, he, he wrote these words. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that, that comes from God on the basis of faith. So in Christ Jesus, oh, that's the next passage, pardon me. So we have from Christ this righteousness that, that doesn't require, that isn't dependent, that, that it comes from him and we accept him, we live in him. And when Paul wrote to the Galatian church, he wrote a similar passage about what it is to be provided righteousness from Christ. Galatians chapter 3, beginning verse 26 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And we have this visual representation of what takes place in our lives. When we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we repent of our sins, we're baptized in his name, we're clothed with Christ. When Jesus laid his life down on the cross, he did so to bring about our forgiveness, to extend grace into our lives by the power of his blood. And so when he went to the cross, he took our sins upon himself. He reached into our lives and, and took off the, the, the garments that were soiled with our sin. And, and he put them on himself. He, he took upon himself the punishment due for all of that sin and willingly laid down his life. And as he did so, he didn't just remove all of the wrong from our lives. He then took his perfect white robes and laid them on our shoulders and clothed us in him. So that when the day of judgment comes, when the Lord looks at our lives, it's not the sin that we have done that he sees. It's the, it's the blood of Christ, the perfection of Christ. And the important aspect of that day of judgment is that we belong to Jesus, that we've been clothed with Christ. And it's a, it's a very powerful reminder to us of the way that grace works. And how we, in gratitude, live in that righteousness. We think about what it is to put on the breastplate of righteousness in our lives. And we think about this balance of being grateful for that grace, grateful for that forgiveness, grateful for what Christ has provided to us, and confident in, in the power of the Lord to live within that righteousness. But at the same time, we're aware of the decisions that we have to make, and we're careful about our own conduct, and we're disciplined, hoping that we can live according to the standard provided to us through the Word of God, hoping that the Holy Spirit will work in our lives to help us and mold us and shape us, to grow in our understanding of what it is to live in His righteousness, to honor Him with our lives, to be faithful to Him, and to continue to stand firm even when Satan is scheming and attacking and trying to get us to fail. Paul wrote to the Romans, chapter 13, verse 11. Continue talking about this theme. This is a, a pattern in, in Paul's writing. He said, do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently. As in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. There's this incredible pattern in his writing that's reminding us continually about what it is to strive for this kind of living that honors the Lord as we grow in our understanding of righteousness and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to mold us and shape us. When we receive this breastplate of righteousness from the Lord that we put on, we notice that because this is God's armor that he's providing to us, that the size of the armor, the shape of the armor, it just doesn't fit. 
It's like when a, a child goes into dad's closet and begins putting on some of his clothes. They're too heavy. They're too cumbersome. They, they don't quite fit right. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we notice that it's formed and shaped according to God's righteousness. And while it doesn't quite fit when we put it on, while there are big gaps where it, it hangs over our lives, as we continue to wear it, we grow. As we continue to wear it, we develop. And, and our lives begin to be formed and shaped and molded according to the standard of God's righteousness. And as we continue wearing his breastplate of righteousness, we discover over time that it, it begins to fit. That it protects us better because there aren't gaping holes in the sides where it, it is so much bigger than we are. That It fits, it protects us better, and, and it becomes more comfortable. That as we grow in our understanding of righteousness, as we begin practicing what this looks like in our lives, we we, we find it, it, it really does come to fit and we can move freely and we are comfortable wearing it and we actually like the way our lives look when we have his righteousness in place in our lives like we were made to live this way. This righteousness comes from God, but it also depends on our behavior. And keeping his righteousness as a breastplate in our lives means that we allow the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us and continue working us to reflect the image of God through our decisions, through our actions, through our words, that we would live according to his righteousness and keep the integrity of this armor intact. You see, when, when we refuse to behave in accordance with the armor that's placed on us, that armor begins to fail. It leaves, it leaves holes. It leaves gaps where it's not quite buckled on properly. And, and our defenses begin to weaken when we allow sin to remain a part of our lives, even when we're, we're trying to learn how to live our lives according to the righteousness of God, especially when that sin becomes a pattern and a habit in our lives. It creates these gaping holes in our armor that become a foothold for Satan, that become an opportunity for him to take hold of us. It gives him an advantage to overcome us. You see, the devil's schemes will continue his attacks will continue even when we have protective armor on. He's going to continue to try to get us to fail, drawing our hearts toward those deeds that Paul warned us about, desires of the flesh, gratifying our desires. He wants us to fall. He wants us to fail. He wants us to no longer stand our ground for the Lord. But if he can't get us to fail, he's going to be perfectly content to keep us from doing those things that are good. You see, righteousness is about not only saying no to things that are wrong, but also saying yes to those things that are right. If we're capable of saying no to those things that are wrong, and yet we're living a benign Christian life, if we're able to say no to sin, and we're ambivalent in our faith, we're not doing those things that God is calling us to do, we're not calling on the power of God in our lives, to the, the peace of God, the love of God, and expressing that in the world around us. If we're not faithful in serving the Lord, if we're not saying yes to those opportunities, we're not accomplishing anything for the Lord. We're distracted by this decision over right and wrong, so much so that we're not working for the good of the Lord. We're missing out on the growth that will take place in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're missing out on this sanctification that takes place as we're developed into the image of Christ. 
Not just in saying no to what's wrong, but in saying yes to what is right. And Satan is perfectly happy to keep us from saying yes to those good things because we're so focused on the struggle over whether or not we should say yes or no to those things that are wrong. In order for us to live according to the righteousness of God, we have to both say no to what we shouldn't be doing and also say yes to those things that we should be doing. We turn back in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah recorded the words of the Lord talking about the significance of what it is for us to depend on God in, in these moments. In Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning verse 7, we read these words, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. The leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And then these words very quickly follow that imagery of a tree planted by the stream. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You see, God provides us with the strength to stand. As we, as we read this calling for us to, to stand firm in the Lord, and after we've endured everything, to continue standing, we know that God is providing the strength that we need to stand firm. And, and what we need to do is trust him, trust the provision in our life, to trust the equipment that he provides like a tree rooted in him. We know that he's going to continue providing, even when difficulty comes, even when hardships come, even when the attacks of Satan are unending. We know that God will provide everything that we need to continue to stand firm in him. And in order for us to remain faithful and to continue standing, notice the one place where we're threatened most severely. It's in our hearts. The hearts are deceitful above all things. Our hearts are especially vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. And our hearts have to be diligently guarded and protected. And that's what the breastplate of righteousness does. It guards our hearts. It protects us from those attacks. It keeps us from having our hearts turned toward sin, instead of being devoted toward the Lord. When we strive to live in the righteousness of God, we gain an understanding of what that means. And, and we live out this, this Christian conflict of discovering that, that our righteousness is, is not about sustaining perfection. It's not about becoming good enough for God to continue blessing us. Our righteousness is about genuinely, sincerely living for the Lord in every way that we can, knowing that we're imperfect, knowing that we're going to fail. And when those moments come, instead of turning our hearts toward that failure and continuing to indulge in those gratifications of our desires, instead of allowing that failure to overwhelm us and, and floundering in the weight of guilt and shame because we failed, what we do is we continue to genuinely and sincerely work to please the Lord. And we take those failures and with all of our hearts say to God, I, I know this is wrong and I don't want it to be a part of my life. And we repent from those things. We turn our back on that sin and turn our hearts back toward the Lord, genuinely, sincerely submitting to his work, submitting to the work of the Spirit to continue molding us and shaping us into the image of the Lord, to continue growing us in our understanding of righteousness and helping us 
fill out the shape of that protective gear that's guarding our hearts, trusting that every time we sincerely turn to the Lord, those mistakes become less. Every time we sincerely repent, we learn from those errors. And they become less, and our faithfulness grows and becomes more. The breastplate guards our hearts and allows us to continue to say no to those things that are wrong and grow in our understanding what it is to say yes to those things that we should be doing, that should be a part of our lives. We never give up. We never stop trying because we know that God will continue to provide everything that we need to stand firm in him, everything that we need to grow to reflect his love and grace and peace in the world around us. In the book of Proverbs, we read about this threat to our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning verse 23, says all this, above, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths where your feet be steadfast in all your ways. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Guard your heart. It's an important part of us understanding what righteousness looks like. And so I want to ask you, where have you been careless with the defense of your heart? Where have you been negligent? Where have you allowed room for those attacks to hit home? In this passage from Proverbs, we read three very specific areas where we need to guard our hearts. Solomon tells us that if we're not careful with our speech, it will affect our hearts. It will change our hearts. When we swear frequently, when we're overly negative, sarcastic, when we're critical of others, when our jokes are full of inappropriate humor, it corrupts our hearts. It turns them away from God. The writer of Proverbs tells us where we look at makes a difference in our hearts. And when we choose entertainment that's violent, sexual, disrespectful, demeaning to others, our hearts become tainted by those images. And they're pulled away from God. When we allow other people to influence the direction of our path, when our feet deviate from the straight and narrow to the right or to the left, we find our feet in places of evil and we're drawn into places we shouldn't be calling us to do things that we shouldn't do, and we allow our hearts to be darkened by those influences. And we need to guard our hearts. We need to be careful and faithful and diligent, especially in these areas, to know that we're going to honor the Lord and grow in our understanding of what it is to be molded and shaped according to the standard of righteousness in our lives. We're called to guard our hearts by staying on the straight and narrow, by keeping our eyes straight ahead, focused on the goal, knowing that Satan will attack our hearts, 
knowing that even if he can't get us to say yes to those things that we know are wrong, he's certainly going to attack us and try and get us to say no to doing what's right. And he'll work tirelessly to get us to distract us, to keep us from living for the Lord. And you'll find yourself, in many cases, losing that battle when you're too busy to spend time reading Scripture and pray. When you walk past a person in need and instead of engaging them in conversation and trying to care for them and help them and express the love of God, you, you look away as you walk by because you've got more important things to do. You don't want to be troubled because you've already given a little bit. You don't want to have to give more. when you recognize the conversation is turning toward the Lord. Instead of taking that opportunity to talk about the love and grace of Jesus Christ, you choose instead to talk about some meaningless thing, and you ignore those moments of evangelism. When you walk through your day and you encounter other people and you allow them to feel unappreciated because you refuse to say thank you and acknowledge their value and their worth and the effort that they're contributing. When you sit by idly and let other people volunteer and fulfill roles of service within the church. You find yourself losing the battle against Satan who's distracting you from doing those things that you know you need to be saying yes to. And sure, you're not saying yes to sin. You're, you're saying no to sin in all the right ways. But instead of living for the Lord, you're living this life of meaninglessness. Existing, getting by, and continuing in the cycle And all the obligations of your schedule, all the financial burdens that you have to meet, all the things of life are keeping you from growing in the Lord and, and learning to say yes to those things that you know he's calling you to say yes to. Satan is winning that victory, not because you're going to fall, but because you're too, too distracted to take your stand to keep your feet planted. And after you've done everything, to stand. See, it's the breastplate of righteousness that helps us to stand firm, that equips us to stand firm, that provides what we need in the Lord to stand firm. When we live our lives devoted to what is right and true, we learn how to, to plant our feet and keep them in the place that God calls us to plant them. When we stand against the enemy, we know that we're going to be facing attacks. And some of those attacks are overt. They're dangerous attacks, and we see the temptation coming. And we, we're learning to say, no, no, I want to be faithful to the Lord. I don't want to indulge. I don't want to go there. But we also need to recognize the subtle attacks of Satan, the gentle pressure, the influence that's present in our lives, keeping us from growing in our expressions of faithfulness to the Lord, causing us to miss out on that molding and shaping work that the Holy Spirit does in us. Satan's schemes to keep you from remaining, to keep you from standing firm. And sometimes it's those subtle attacks that are the most dangerous because he uses people around you. He uses people that you care about. He uses good people to distract you from 
the good life that he's calling you to live, to try and get you to give ground instead of standing your ground. You'll find yourself challenged by people who don't understand why your life looks different than their life. You'll find yourself challenged by people who who don't understand why your moral boundaries are different than their moral boundaries. You'll find yourself challenged by people who can't understand why your language sounds different than their language. And because they don't understand that difference, they're going to push. They're going to pressure you. They're going to try to influence you to make your life look more like their lives. And these subtle attacks of Satan can sometimes be the most harmful and the most damaging. You'll find yourself having arguments with family. People that you've known your whole life, people that you love, who are trying to get you to soften your stance because the hard stance that you're taking is uncomfortable for them. And instead of evaluating how they might want to change, they want you to soften and change. You'll find yourself having debates with teachers, coworkers, bosses, who want you to step back from the stance that you're taking for the Lord who don't want you to remain where you are with your feet planted because it's offensive to some other people, because it isn't considerate of all those present in the room. And instead of thinking about the good that can be accomplished, if we would stand together in the Lord, they're pressuring you to step back. You'll have conversations with friends of yours, people that you love and care about, who look at the stance that you're taking in your life, who see how you you are being very discerning and sometimes saying no. And they're going to ask you to sit down. They're tired of seeing you stand. They're tired of of changing their behavior because of the stance that you're taking. Instead, what they want is for you to sit down. Stop taking that stand. Stop being so difficult. Just relax for a little bit. Let's have some fun instead. There are times where you'll be confronted by people who, who are standing for a different cause, a humanitarian cause that isn't necessarily bad. But what it does is it distracts you from the stand that God is calling you to make morally in your life. And when you give your time and your energy and effort to that thing, you lower your defenses and you shuffle your feet and you no longer take the stand in the way that God is calling you to take your stand. Satan gains victory when you aren't standing firm. When you don't remain standing where God is calling you to plant your feet. Satan doesn't have to get you to fall to sin to win a victory in your life. What he needs to do is to distract you from those good things that God is calling you to say yes to by keeping you so busy, so wrapped up in moral arguments, so wrapped up that you give ground that you step back, you sit down and take a break for a little while. The attacks of Satan are not always overt. They're not always life-threatening. Sometimes they're so subtle, they just feel like a little bit of pressure and a little bit of influence. It doesn't seem harmful until you look down and realize how far your feet have traveled from the place where God has called you to stand. When we put on the armor of God, when we take the breastplate of righteousness from the Lord and we put it on, he is calling us to learn 
to live our lives according to the standard that he's set for us. And that means we learn to say no to those things that are wrong, that are going to destroy our lives and sin, and also that we learn to say yes to those things that we should be making a part of our lives, that we should grow in our understanding of what faithfulness looks like and honor him with everything that we say, every decision that we make, every interaction we have with other people. And we stand firm in the Lord because he's provided everything that we need to do so. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for this powerful passage about the armor that you provide. Thank you for opening our eyes to the battle that we face each and every day. Thank you for the strength that you provide and the standards that you call us to, God. I pray that you would remind each and every one of us of the importance of faithfulness in our lives, of standing our ground for your kingdom and for your glory. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.